My friend, Dick Smith, has recently been dealing with one of those experiences we all hope to never face. He shares his thoughts with us. Each of us finds a balance in our lives between private and public activities. I like to take a walk with my wife, or read, or make stuff in my workshop, or write on my word processor. Sometimes, when I wonder what I think about something, I use the keyboard and find out. I enjoy private moments like these. But I also like spending time with friends and family, going to a ball game, playing golf, or going to a play or concert. Less enjoyable are the memorial services for friends that seem to be more frequent lately. These old friends were often ill and unhappy, and we comfort ourselves that they are out of their misery, and we hope to follow as painlessly as possible. A high school graduation is a welcomed diversion. My granddaughter, Jasmine, just graduated from the deaf school. It was a raucous affair, conducted in sign language and interpreted for those of us who are handicapped by not knowing sign language. Waving our arms in the air indicated applause. Two nights later, we arrived home to find a note taped on the door, call 911, ask for Sergeant Flynn, We exchanged a worried look and went to the phone. A minute later, he pulled into the drive. He'd been parked waiting for us. He was a big man in full uniform and went directly to the point. Your son, Ron, died in a traffic accident. It was medically involved. That meant he had a fatal heart attack during the accident. We were in a state of shock, and Sergeant Flynn kindly stayed with us to be sure we were able to function. And as he left, I said that I now could appreciate how a parent of a soldier would react to that knock on the door by a man in uniform. He calmly replied that his boy was in Afghanistan. Clearly, he knew how I was feeling at that moment. Later, at a crowded memorial service, I realized that I had thought that the death of a child was the worst thing that could happen to anyone. But thinking about my boy Ron, I now think that the death of both of his parents when he was very young had affected him far more seriously. He had lived a tortured life for many years until finally revisiting his relatives and the graves of his mom and dad. He was only 57 years old and died without a will. It's very stressful for his wife and family. I had bugged him to do it, and he said he would do it soon. I am now updating my own will. At the memorial service, family and friends were invited to speak about him. Work friends described him as a hard worker and a mentor to many of his younger colleagues. I remind myself that this essay is part of a series on retirement. I began by saying that we needed to strike a balance between public and private activities. That is particularly true when death 
strikes unexpectedly. My wife and I took a short walk together after returning from a very public memorial service. We needed to return to a normal private setting to regain our composure. Younger people sometimes expect us to be wise old sages, always capable of thinking straight and with our emotions under control. I don't give out much advice these days. I've been wrong too often. A good way to handle the needs of the junior member of the family is to say, some people would be overwhelmed by all this, but I know that you will be strong enough to handle it. It's their world, and they will be able to survive in the same way that we have, with the support of relatives and friends. We've become aware that our circle of friends is diminishing after every memorial service, and we have determined to cherish those who remain and to find some new friends to keep us from retreating into solitude. We also remind all our friends to update their wills. Dick Smith is dealing with the death of his son on the shores of Bellingham Bay. This is Retirement Talk. I'm Del Lowry.